So we're in the third week of our teaching series this morning, our Ha. And if you've missed the last two, guys, I really want to encourage you to listen to the podcast, to download them. They've been incredible. And before I start this morning, uh, I thought we'd start with a quiz. I know how much you all love quizzes. But before that, aha, it stands for? Some of you have got it. Okay, and that's what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about a moment, and we all have moments, don't we? Moments in our lives when, uh, when times, when a sudden revelation surprises us with insight. Moments when the light bulb goes on. Moments when you see things differently. Moments when everything changes as a result. And I believe as Christians, we have lots of these moments, lots of God moments that should change everything. And I believe that God gives us these moments to reveal more of himself to us and to break through into our situations. But those moments require something from us. And I want to focus on one of these aha moments this morning, one in particular. See if you can guess what it is. So it's quiz time. And there's going to be some pictures come up on the screen. And I want you to know, if you know them, shout out the name of the actor, the character they're playing and what the film is, and then what the link is. So, are you ready? So, the actor, the character name, the film, and what the link is. First picture. Fantastic. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, and he's the Terminator. Next picture. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa. And the film is Rocky. This one's for the oldies. Next picture. It's good. Lee Major, Steve Austin and the bionic man. One for the ladies or the gents. Good. Angelina Jolly, Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. Next picture. Yeah, there, you're getting it. Sigourney Weaver, Ripley, the character, and Alien, the film. Next picture. Jesus and the disciples. My favorite picture. Come on. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Kurt Sloan, and the film is Kickboxer. Actually, this is my favorite picture. Mighty men of action right there. Lee Burrows, Leon Evans, Will Bradshaw, Martin Jackson, and Andy Shepard. They're the expandables. That's what they call themselves. Something to do with the waistline there. Not the hairline. The last picture. Come on, Bruce Willis, John McClane, and the film? Die Hard. And what do they all have in common? Yes, that's right. With exception of the expandables, of course. They just don't want to give up the ghost. And back to me this morning, I still like to think I'm a man of action. But I have to be honest with myself here. I'm a little too old and a little too fat now. But 20 
just being honest, 20 years ago, 20 years ago is a, a different story. And there is one last photo I want to show you this morning. And as I've embarrassed a few here this morning, I'd like to embarrass myself. Take a look at this picture. <laughs> That's me, believe it or not. I found this picture at my nan's last week, and it's me of 20 years ago. Just to say there was colour film then, I'm not that old. I know it's black and white, I'm not that old. That's shocking, isn't it? Shocking hair, but at least I've still got it. (laughs) I wish I was that thin though, but there you go. That was me, I was 19 years of age, and I'd just won the Canadian Open, a huge tournament in Canada, and I'd come back, and that trophy is about three foot and a half, three foot high, um, and it was a nightmare trying to get back that on the, on the plane. They probably wouldn't allow it these days, but that brings back memories. Get rid of the picture, please. <laughs> so today we're talking about action. You see, you can have an awakening moment. You know, the light bulb might go on, which can lead to brutal honesty, but if it's not followed by action, then it can be pointless. You see, when it comes to change, knowing that we need to change doesn't always amount to change. We need to take action. And Leon looked in the first week, the story, you know, the prodigal son and how when he was at his lowest, when everything had gone, when he was in the pig pen and they were dining better than he was, he got up, he took action and he made his way home. Then Jane, last week, she looked at the story of Naaman, who was a mighty warrior, but he suffered with leprosy. He also suffered with great pride, which could have cost him his healing. But as Jane brilliantly put it last week, he eventually got off his high horse. He took action. He did what he was told to and did get that healing. And this morning, we're going to have a look at another story in the Bible where action was taken. And as a result, everything um, was changed. So if you have a Bible, the story is in the book of John. It's the last of the four Gospels in the New Testament. And we'll pick it up in chapter 4. The words should come up on screen. So John chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Let's pause and I want to park it right here because in these first three sentences we see an awakening. We see a realization. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. That's John the Baptist. And the Pharisees, what they're doing is here is they're comparing and keeping score between the two of them. And they may be trying to cause some rivalry uh, amongst the people about them. Nonetheless, they're getting concerned. They resent Jesus' rising popularity because much of what Jesus is saying challenges everything the Pharisees are teaching. There's opposition rising against Jesus, and he knows this. And I love how verse 2 puts it. It makes me laugh because we have an honesty moment from the writer of the book. John, a disciple of Jesus, points out the honesty and he informs everyone that it wasn't actually Jesus baptizing them, but his disciples. He may be looking for some glory there. 
And that's important, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. You see, we've had an awakening moment. We've had a, an honesty moment of sorts, and then we have the action moment. Verse 3 says, so he left. So he left. And I've paused here because I think it's important, and God might want to say something to us. It could be our light bulb moment. You see, Jesus knew what the Pharisees were saying. He also knew they were incorrect in what they were saying. But he decided to take the action to walk away. So he left, the Bible tells us. See, Jesus knew it wasn't the time for confrontation. He knew it wasn't the time to stay and defend himself. He knew it wasn't worth his energy to stay and fight because he knew that it was a distraction that would prevent him from doing greater things. And at the start of my message this morning, I really feel like God may be asking that question to us. What is it? What is it that we need to walk away from? What is it that we may be wasting our energy on that is distracting us from doing something greater? Something greater for him. Could it be a, an argument, a family situation, a friendship, a relationship you're involved with, a, a, business, a business dealing, a business decision, a, a wrong choice, you know, even stubbornness? Could it be, you could, sorry, you could justify all of that. You may feel you're in the right, but that doesn't make it right. And guys, you may need to take some action. Take some action and walk away. See, sometimes it's taking action that leads to your awakening and honesty. You know, we love to watch action, don't we? We'll go and see the action moves, movies at the cinema. We'll sit down with our huge bucket of popcorn and our five pints of Coke. Those cups are ridiculous, aren't they? It's diet, though, but it's, so it's okay. And then we'll, we'll gorge ourselves while the film's watching on, while watching the action film. We'll watch live sport on television, and we'll order a pizza and maybe get the beers out. We did not do that yesterday. You may even watch Strictly come dancing while filling your face with ice cream and chocolate. That's me. We love action, but we'd rather watch it than live it. And instead of getting up and doing something, we recline, don't we? We recline back into our comfy sofas, and then we flick through the hundreds of channels on the television so that we can watch more action. See, passivity is the enemy of action. We can have the attitude, I'm sure this will all work itself out. And that leads us to not taking action. But what we all know is that it rarely works itself out without some intervention, without some action. And this next bit, it's directly from the book Leon mentioned this morning, the AHA book. And I really recommend you, you get it. It's, a, it's an incredible read. And it's so good that I'm going to pass this on. You can order it from the coffee shop. It says this about passivity. Passivity could be accurately described as the first sin we inherited from Adam. It may even be fair to say that the first human sin wasn't eating the fruit. It was passivity. Remember when Eve took the fruit in the Garden of Eden, what was Adam doing? Well, according to Genesis 3 and verse 6, Adam was right there with her. He said nothing. He did nothing. He just stood there. He was passive. 
Guys, let's learn from this and not let passivity rob us from the things God wants for us. See, it can be said that our passive approach to the action God has called us to take shows that we are honouring something more than him. Let's put him first and let's take action. Verse 4, we'll pick the story up again in verse 4. And it says this, he had to go through. Actually, he chose to go through. Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And we'll stop there a minute. You see, because here Jesus has told his disciples to take a lunch break. They're doing the lunch run. He sends the 12 of them off, 12 of them off to go and get some food, to go and get some lunch. We all know it doesn't take 12 people to get some food. Jesus only needed a boy, a couple of fish, a few loaves of bread, and he fed thousands. (laughs) And you know, as they left, he may have waved them off, saying, you guys, take your time. Don't hurry back. Enjoy your lunch break. And he did that because he knew his disciples wouldn't understand what was going to happen next. Sometimes you know you're the only person right for the job. If you want a job doing right, you... And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. It's one of those moments. Jesus needed to do it alone. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Here, it's important to know that the Jews hated the Samaritans. They saw them as a, a mixed breed. There was huge prejudice, even blatant racism against them. The thinking amongst the Jews was to never have anything to do with the Samaritans. If you did have to have dealings with them, you'd keep it brief to the bare minimum. You certainly wouldn't eat with them and you definitely wouldn't drink with them. That was off limits. But the one thing also a Jewish male would never do was speak to a Samaritan woman on his own. This is considered to be the lowest of the low. And here, Jesus is doing both. And it's why he's doing it alone. See, Jesus took action. Jesus replied then in verse 10, Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Again here, Jesus gives the Samaritan woman the first light bulb moment, but she doesn't grasp it. She doesn't get it. She may be thinking this guy's a little bit crazy. Living water? What's that about? She's practical in her thinking though. She says this in verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give, I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, 
giving them eternal life. That's incredible. And I think here the, the woman's eyes have got a little bit bigger. She's paying more attention. She likes what she's hearing. It's another light bulb moment, but she still doesn't get it. She replies in verse 15, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She's still thinking physical water. And at this time, Jesus may be shaking his head. You know, the light's on, but there's nobody home. But he really wants there to be. He really wants this woman to get it. So what he does next is genius. He changes the subject. He makes it personal. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. (laughs) You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And it's actually here why the woman is at the well at midday. You see, women would usually fetch the water in the morning to avoid the midday heat. But because of this woman's reputation, she can't do it then. She has to do it at midday when she thinks there's no one else around. She's come to the well to get water for her physical thirst. She doesn't even realize she's consumed by a much deeper thirst. All she knows is that she has this need that is driving her from man to man. And with each man, she thinks that this is the one that will love me. This is the one that will satisfy me. This is the one that will stay. But the one thing that never leaves this woman is her emptiness, is her unquenchable loneliness. See, she has this deep burning thirst within her. And Jesus is saying to her, I have living water that not only will satisfy you, but will sustain you. You will never thirst again. What Jesus says to this woman, he says to us all here this morning. And if we're honest with ourselves, if we have that honesty moment, we're all looking for our thirst to be quenched, aren't we? For our needs to be met. And it's Jesus who is the only answer. You see, you may have gotten the promotion, but it's not long till you're after the next. You've got the bigger house, but then you realize there's just more rooms to clean. You've got the shiny new car, but then it soon becomes old and dented. These things may satisfy for a while, but then we keep going back, don't we? We keep going back to the same old well, looking for more. Jesus says, come to me. I've got what you need to satisfy you. It's not found in any other man or in anything else for that matter. Jesus needed to make it personal for this very reason. He makes it personal to you and I. Everything Jesus has said is spot on. Pick it up back in uh, verse 19. The woman says, sir, (laughs) sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. That's another light bulb moment missed. And then the woman changes the subject. She tries to move the spotlight off herself. She wasn't keen on all that personal stuff. She didn't want to know about the men in her life. So she tries to make it about religion. Verse 20. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. 
Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23, but the time is coming. Indeed is here now, light bulb moment, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Duh, he's already been doing that for a while. But then he does something greater. He tells her clearly. Verse 26, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Finally, the light bulb moment. Just then, verse 27, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? I told you they wouldn't understand. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. That's an incredible story, incredible story in the Bible, and I absolutely love it. I've been living it in it for a while. And it's here, you know, the, fi- the woman finally gets her light bulb moment when Jesus makes it as clear as possible. And this is the only time in his entire life that he voluntarily reveals his identity. And it was to a Samaritan woman with a bad reputation. Wow. And when he calls, when he tells her that, when he tells her clearly that he is the Messiah, she gets it. Boom. The light goes on. And in that moment, uh, everything Jesus has said to her becomes clear. And it's in that moment that she leaves the very thing that she went there for. She leaves the physical water because her real thirst has been quenched. She drops the bucket. She leaves it and she runs, the Bible tells us. She runs towards the village to the people she was trying to avoid. See, she was only looking to get water that afternoon. But that afternoon, Jesus put everything else aside and he went looking for her. And this morning, I don't know what you've come to church looking for, but I do know this. Jesus is looking for you. He wants to quench your thirst. He gives us light bulb moments to reveal more of himself to us and then to bring breakthrough into our situations. And as a result of that, we should be changed. The woman was changed. You know, for the first time in her life, she was fully satisfied, which meant she was no longer bothered about her past, but more bothered about telling everyone what she'd found. She took action. She walked towards the people she needed she walked towards the people that needed what she had found. And if you're a Christian here this morning, we all need to take that same action, don't we? We need to walk towards, walk towards the people that need what we found, what we are carrying. People in our community, people in our neighborhoods, people in our workplaces, people in our schools and colleges, wherever 
there is people. We should be walking towards them. And I want to encourage you here, don't let your past hold you back. And don't let the failures of the past hold you back. See, all the woman said in this story was simply, come and see. Come and see. And we can all do that. We can all invite people to come and see. And we have some amazing opportunities over Easter. You saw the promotion before and and the invitation cards. We can all take one to pass it on to someone and invite them to come and see. To come and hear the greatest story ever told. The invite cards are on the back, at the back on the table. Please take one, pass them on, invite people to come and see this Easter time. Then we have a, a comedy event coming up next month with Mark Greenwood, who many of you know. He's a great guy, and it's a, a great opportunity again to invite people to come and see. And then our next Alpha course, it starts towards the end of next month. Again, it's an opportunity to invite people to come and see. see to come and see what all this is about, to come and ask any question that they want to ask. You all may know the outcome of the story. You may know how it ends. And as a result of the woman walking towards the village and saying, come and see, the Bible tells us that many, the majority of the village believed in Jesus. You see, it's Jesus that does the rest. We're just called to be connectors. We're just called to walk towards people and invite them to come and see. And I love how this story ends. In verse 42, the final verse of this story, it says this. Then they said to the woman, and this is the village of the people, this is the people of the village speaking, says this, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. That's incredible, isn't it? They discover Jesus for themselves. You know, Jesus always takes the first action. He's always looking for us. And then when the light bulb goes on and we take action, he's always looking to use us. And it's here. Uh, in this moment, we're, we're going to watch a, another real-life story of a guy uh, in this church who had that awakening, who had a, a deeper thirst for something else, but he tried everywhere else to find it. And it took a, a lot of action on his part. It took some brutal honesty. It took some walking away from stuff and walking towards people but ultimately walking towards Jesus that changed everything. Here's Carl's story. Hi, my name's Carl. I've been coming to Zion Christian Centre for two and a half years. Um, I've never always been a Christian, though. When I was 16, I was uh, caught stealing, so I got a community service order through the courts, um, and then I found it really difficult to get a job. So a lady who I knew worked in kitchens and she said to me, would you like to come and be a pot washer? So I did, I went to pot wash every Saturday afternoon. Um, The problem was it was a very, very young team and they were all going out, they were taking narcotics, they were drinking a lot and you know, so I got wrapped up in that. So fast forward to the year 2007, um, I got onto Facebook, like wow, people from school and I was looking for a girl that I, I, I really, really fancied this girl at school. I just wanted to see her. Her name was Sally Jones. She was wonderful. 
So I clicked on her, started talking to her, and it wasn't the Sally Jones who I was looking for, but it was the Sally Jones I'm married to now. What I didn't realise was Sal was a Christian. So the Joneses took me under their wing, but I still really didn't understand it. I still didn't want to understand it. So it was a place called Lee Abbey, which is Linton and Lynmouth in North Devon. Um, like a Christian community. They took me down to Linton. Um, and the first day I was there, I got introduced to everybody and I couldn't handle it. You know, just covered in head to toe with tattoos. I'm rough looking or whatever, I don't know, I don't fit in here. And it turned out to be one of the greatest weeks I'd ever had on holiday. It was phenomenal. When I did come back, I got sucking into like the dark world that I was kind of in before. Um, and my life spiralled out of control for a year. I, um, I started taking drugs on a regular basis and I kept it secret as well. You know, fast forward another year, I went back to Lee Abbey and I wasn't a Christian, but I couldn't wait to get back there. But something bad happened on the last day. The last day came and I went back home and then I took an excessive amount of drugs and I couldn't kind of function properly. I was lying on, on my sofa, crying my eyes out. It was almost like the high of Lee Abbey had gone, but I was like kind of trying to counteract it with a different high. And then it was that morning. I'd been crying for about four hours, and I, that's not like me. And then I spoke to my father-in-law, Roger, and his exact words were, I think we know what's happening. And he, he, he was right. I, you know, I started believing in God. And I really started to believe in God. And, and I didn't get it, but I just, I just had this overwhelming feeling inside of me. It was, it was incredible. And I started to burst at the seams. I believe in Jesus, I believe in God. I don't understand why, but I, I just do. But unfortunately, the, the darkness in me was deep-rooted, so deep-rooted that I couldn't shake it, no matter what I did. Um, so, uh, drugs became a problem again. And people think becoming a Christian's like, oh, I get out of jail free card, and it's really not. It, my life become harder, it was ridiculous. Because I'm battling with narcotics, I'm battling with secrecy but I'm battling with trying to be a good Christian as well. But this time, Sal knew. It was getting less, less often, but Sal knew now. Sal knew, and I was telling her all the signs to look for. And on the 73rd day, I went and brought some, stupidly, and then I went back home, and Sal looked at me, and Sal knew, and Sal said, have you took drugs? And I said, yeah, yeah, and she grabbed my hand, and on, instead of being angry or disappointed, she goes, it's all right. We're going to get through this. You're sorted now. It's finished. And all I could think about <laughs> was Jesus on the cross. I'm just saying it's finished. <laughs> it finished. And that was the last time I did it. And that was it for me. So since that, that real realisation of what Jesus actually did for me on the cross. Um, I really put that into perspective in all aspects of my life now, so I, I won't go back to what I did. Um, I know there's people there at church that walk with me on a daily basis if I need to. Um, the people I can be accountable to, and I am more accountable now, um, which is phenomenal. Um, God's rewarding me now, I'm a junior sous chef for, for Jamie Oliver. And, you know, every single day is just, it's just a winner, it's just phenomenal. Thank you, Jesus.
Wow, what an incredible story. And I want to thank Carl for his honesty. Probably a little bit too much with his wife Sally there, but there you go. I remember walking this journey out with Carl as, as he was a, a new Christian and, and I walked with him for a while and, and we'd meet up regularly and we'd go for a coffee. And, but there's one night I remember particularly well and we probably both won't forget it. We were sitting in a car outside a house. We'd had a, a lengthy chat and then he said to me, Simon, I want to be accountable. I, I, want to, I want to get this right. I don't want to keep doing this. I want to take action. And I admire him for that. He kept taking action. But there's this one time he said, I've, I've done it again. I've taken drugs. And I said, Carl, you know what? It's time for brutal honesty. I'd, I'd walked this journey with him, but it was time to speak truth into the situation. And I'm like, Carl, what you're doing here, it's not actually accountability. It's confession. You're coming to me after the event and you're telling me what you've done. I'm like, please pick up the phone, ring me before the event and maybe we can do something. That's accountability. And I think for that moment, the, the light bulb went on. He saw something different, but next it took some more brutal honesty. And then I'm said, now, Carl, you, you're, gonna go have to, you're, gonna go ha- you're going to have to go home and tell your wife. She needs to know about this so she can help you with this. And he did that, and he went on that journey. And it's incredible, you know, now to, to see where he, he is. But he took action. You know, we said right back at the start, sometimes it takes action to get that awakening and honesty. Carl first had an awakening moment, but the drugs and that were still there. He had, to, he had to be brutally honest still, and he had to continue to take action. He had to walk away from some stuff, and he walked towards people but ultimately Jesus. And then when he had that revelation of what Jesus did, when he had that, it changed everything. And it's in this moment I want to invite Leon to come back because I believe God gives us these moments to reveal more of himself to us and to break through into our situation. But it takes action. And here, it can take some brutal honesty. And this morning, while everyone uh, closes their eyes, I want people to, to pause, to invite God to speak, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your situation. Now, you may need to walk away from some stuff. It may take a, an honest moment here. And as we pause, as we close our eyes, as we focus on what God wants to say to us, what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. I pray that the light bulb moment will come on. I pray that we'll take action, that we'll be brutally honest, and as a result, be changed in the process. So for a moment, let's pause. Let's listen to God. Be honest. Be honest with yourself now. And more importantly, be honest with God. started this morning and I said I don't know what you're looking for this morning but I know and I believe Jesus is looking for you he's always looking for you and again this morning I don't know what your needs are but I know in Jesus that you have everything you need he has the living water that satisfies and you may not realize this this morning but you know you're close to running on empty or actually that you've been running on empty for a while 
you know that you need a breakthrough in your situation. It's going to take that awakening moment this morning. Then it's going to take honesty, but then it's going to take action. So this morning, you know, if you're thirsty, if you have a, a need that you want Jesus to break through into your situation for, then I'm going to get you to simply do something. I'm going to get you to take action. And it can carry on from what Jane said last week. Many of you come out for prayer for your healing. You know, you may have got healed, you may have not, but please don't stop responding because God can intervene. He can and he wants to break through. So in this moment, if you're thirsty, if you have a need that you want God to break through into, I just, I want you to stand. I want you to take action because I would love to pray for you. So if you know you're running on empty, if you're thirsty, if there's a need that you need from God, if there's that breakthrough moment, stand and I want to pray for you. Take some action. speak. Keep letting the Holy Spirit reveal some stuff to you. Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and I will satisfy you. If you need Jesus to satisfy you this morning, if you need him to quench your thirst, he wants to do that, but it's going to take action. And then there's a, another response you know, we mentioned the, the woman, she went to the village and she simply said to the people, come and see. And as a result, the village went. And as a result, they believed in Jesus. Everything changed because they saw for himself. And it could be this morning that you've been coming here for a number of weeks. You've been coming and seeing. But this morning, the, the light bulb's gone on. And you know that all you need to do now is take that step. You need to walk towards Jesus. It may be that you need to surrender your life for the first time, to give it completely to him. It could be your first time in church this morning, but that, don't let that stop you. Take action. Walk towards him and everything will be changed. So if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want you guys to stand too. And if you're already standing, then just simply pop your hand up. So that, that's an indication to me. And then I want to pray for you guys. So if you've been coming for a while, if you've been seeing, if you want to take that step, that next step to walk towards him, to give God completely everything, raise your hand. Thank you. And now I want to pray. Father God, I want to thank you for speaking so loudly and clearly to us just as we prayed at the start of our time together. It's what you do. And Father, I want to pray for every single person standing now. Father God, I thank you that they've decided to take action. Father, they've acted on that honesty moment. And Lord, I want to pray that living water over them right now. Father, I want to pray your water that satisfies Father, that sustains. Lord, I don't know what it is they need. 
but I know you meet every need. And Father God, I just speak your love, your compassion, your living, your living river of water over them. Thank you. Thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that you're always looking for us. Thank you that you meet our needs. Lord Jesus, just continue to to pour out your love, I pray. Speak to every individual that's standing. In Jesus' name, amen. And guys, as we close, I still believe it requires action from all of us. When we have a a real encounter with Jesus, it should drive us. And we're going to leave and we're going to sing. You know, I believe that God wants to use us. And when we go and simply we walk towards people and we say, come and see, come and see, I believe that God will be in that. I believe that God wants to do greater things than we've seen yet. I believe that God wants to do greater things in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools and colleges. Do you believe that? Come on. So let's stand. And as we go, we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing God of the city. And we're going to sing it as a prayer. And we're going to sing it as a declaration that we are going to see God do greater things in this city. So let's sing.